Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Oi, yikes. Jesus. Okay, that's literally my only response to that game tonight. Uh, it is the Out of Sight Podcast post-game edition. I am your host, Dio Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Sixers drop to the Nuggets at home, 114-110, in a game that was billed as a battle of the two MVP frontrunners between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Both were in the house tonight as it's probably the first time these two have actually squared off in a while because of Embiid's in- injury history. But it-, it was a good game if you're a Nuggets fan, but if you're a Sixers fan, God, that was tough to watch. We're going to get into it right now with uh, Sean Kennedy, who did the bell ringer for tonight. Uh, Sean, how-, how how does one feel after that game? What what positive, if any, can we take away from that game? Uh, there were a lot of positives, Adio. I mean, Joel Embiid had a had a solid showing. I think he acquitted himself well in the MVP conversation. Uh, let uh, me rephrase then. What are the positives by folks not named Joel Hans <laughs> Embiid? How about that? Let's rephrase it then. All right. Uh, Matisse Thibel tied a career okay. tied six steals. All right. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> There were positives, but here's here's the glaring negative, the the bench. And oh, we're we're gonna get into that. It's the same issue that has plagued the Sixers for years. What do you do when Joel Embiid is not on the court for the ten to fifteen minutes where he is not in the game? Uh, and I can tell you the answer is not DeAndre Jordan. I feel very confident in in sta- in stating that DeAndre Jordan is not the answer, and it would behoove Doc Rivers to uh, look elsewhere. If you told me that DeAndre Jordan was like minus 30 for this game, it wouldn't shock me. But at the same time, good Lord, this bench, I don't know what the hell is going on with is it rotations. Is it staggering? I don't know what it is, but Denver's bench outscored the Sixers something like 45 to 10. Yeah, the Sixers had uh, 14 bench points. So, yeah. Okay, sorry. I, I, I totally cut off somebody's four <laughs> so, points. Yeah, something some sort of disparity not too far off from what you mentioned but yeah George Yang who generally is a, a hugely positive player for this team he unfortunately was two for 12 from the field tonight uh, a minus 13 plus minus for the game so rough night for Niang um, and that rather large brain fart at the end of the game like after he wildly missed that three-pointer to tie the game up he gets his own rebound and like i'm screaming at my tv maxi's right there wide <laughs> open passing the ball he was and i think maxi was silently saying the same thing because he for a good two to three seconds after the the final whistle had blown maxi was still standing there with his hands out as if he was expecting a pass uh yeah i mean Niang had a good look at it and just missed because he was just off tonight. And then 
to his credit, he hustles, get the offensive rebound, but yeah, right. rather, rather than putting up the put back little floater, which didn't go in. And even if it had, it wouldn't have made a difference because time was about to expire. Yeah. You got to have a little better time awareness and uh, find to find Maxi there open on the wing. But I mean, that wasn't, that was the final play of the game and it could have tied it, but I, that wasn't the deciding factor in the game. There, there are plenty of things leading up to that, that point that really hurt the Sixers who had, a, I believe a 19 point lead in the first half and either 17 or 19. Yeah. yeah. Just uh, the 18, four run to close, close the half uh, that Denver had to get back in the game. And then the few minutes at the beginning of the third quarter, when they, they regained the lead for the first time since early in the game, uh, just not a good stretch of play for the Sixers. Um, a lot, a lot of concerning signs for, for this team that looked like world beaters when James Harden first arrived for his first five games, just barely beating Orlando Sunday night in overtime. And then, and then this one where they blow, blow a big lead and uh, at home, I I know it was a back to back and you can make excuses about tired legs given the travel and everything, but not, not a great performance once again for the Sixers. It would behoove me to not talk about Nishan bones Highland, (laughs) 21 points in 31 minutes. And there was a stretch where, he was once it was like six of seven or seven from eight from three. I, I had to look this kid up. I had no idea who the heck he was. I still don't really know who the hell he is. Oh, <laughs> uh, he was a, I know Sixers draft Twitter and everything was very high on him. And he went him and cam Thomas went right before the, the Sixers pick. Um, uh, so, so I know, I know a lot of people really liked bones coming into the draft and he's had moments this year, but this is probably his best game on a national stage at least. So a lot, a lot more people are going to know bones after this one, but yeah, he, he had four threes on the night and he had 12 points in the fourth quarter alone. He had back to back, like one of them was from the logo and then he had another three and that, uh, stretched a, what was a tie game into a six point. Denver lead midway through the fourth, just uh, really pivotal shots for, for bones tonight he, uh, for a rookie to step up in that manner. Just a huge performance from him. So maybe, maybe that'll end the uh, Nikola Jokic doesn't have teammates that help him out yeah. narrative that, <laughs> that's built because he, he got some help tonight uh, in a big way from, from bones and Will Barton had a nice game. Uh, Jeff green did some little things looked much more athletic than his 35 year old frame would indicate. Um, and, and really it was, it was like the Marcus cousins and that bench unit that swung the game for Denver, uh, just dominating the Sixers bench unit. I want to circle back to something you were saying about the ends of halves in tonight's game. They were outscored by 10 in the second quarter and then outscored by 11 in the fourth. I can we boil this down to like one or two things but like the the collapse of not being able to close halves like this is starting to be like concerning if you're asking me well oddly i mean it's it's the start of games that everyone's been complaining about lately how how they've gotten into these huge holes and then they have to climb out of them um but tonight it was it was kind of the opposite where they had the amazing first quarter they're up a uh, 15 i believe it was after the first quarter and Thibault had four steals in the first and all nine of his points came in that quarter and they just looked terrific. And it's like, Oh, well, finally they, 
they didn't get it off to a slow start. Uh, but then, yeah, for then the second comes and they they have this stretch where Amid's not in the game and everything kind of falls apart for a few minutes. And then he was in foul trouble, so he didn't even play his usual stretch towards the end of the half that he would have. Uh, just uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know if the end of the half has been the concern consistently for them, but just the fact that they they never consistently string four quarters of solid play together. Right. Uh, that that's the big worry in my mind. And I think that just speaks to the, the depth or lack thereof of the roster and how I, I don't, I, I am not going to say doc has tried everything because I think he's been a little more stringent in his rotations than a lot of fans would like. Uh, he did do some different pairings tonight between the, the top four guys than he had tried in the past, but uh, I, 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 it just kind of boils down to like DeAndre Jordan not being the answer. Paul Millsap wasn't the answer before him. Like I, I don't know why Paul Reed suddenly why, why fell into Paul the doghouse. Why isn't Paul Reed getting run? Doc, and, come on, man, he's right there. <laughs> and then Charles Bassey in the first meeting between these teams had actually played really well against Nikola Jokic back in November. Um, so I don't, I don't know why he didn't maybe try to dust him off and, and give him a look tonight. <laughs> like it's just, it's confusing that I, I just really feel like this team's going to go into the playoffs and they're going to stick with DeAndre Jordan as the backup center and it's going to cost them like that. That seems to be where things are trending. And I, I, I hope that that isn't the case and that doc does try something else, uh, in these last few weeks of the regular season. Um, I mean, he's got to see the film and see DeAndre missing these defensive rotations and just ball watching and losing Jokic on a yeah. cut. Just a lot of just n- not even that he's not ath- as athletic as he used to be, but just, you know, not good basketball, please. Just, um, head, just head in the clouds too many times. Yeah. Yep. Um, so Tobias had that really good game against Orlando and uh I, I was commenting with a friend of mine and he was like, okay, well, I guess uh Sixers fan base is gonna get off Tobias now, right? And I'm just like, give it 24 hours. And to his credit, 24 hours later, Tobias goes back into uh inconsistent mode. I uh, I don't know how much how much can we wait on Tobias at this point? Because now he's turning into more of a liability with his inconsistency. Yeah, I just don't think there's like a a, a spot for him to kind of fill a role that he used to like there there used to be because now they have he's a fourth option. So they have Harden and Maxi who when Embiid isn't doing his high post action or getting the ball in the post, like they're the guys with the ball in their hands. So you don't need Tobias to like get it on the wing and back his man down with 15 dribbles and settle for his turnaround jumper or whatever. Uh, like way that... too many, way too many dribbles only to hit the front of the rim. Yeah. <laughs> like that had a role back, back in the day when he was doing the Toby and bench unit stuffs. And that, that was just the best option for the team because they didn't have, they didn't have, Maxie hadn't emerged yet and they didn't have Harden on the roster. So it's like, all right, well, that's fine. He can, just kind of take over those, those minutes. And it was kind of like an innings eater situation where he'll slow the game down and he'll, it it won't be the most efficient shots, but he's good enough at it. You can maybe stay afloat. 
Now, now you have much better options offensively. So you want Tobias to kind of be what a George Niang is, where he just you, you want him to be a catch and shoot guy and just let it fly from three, and, and that's about it. But that's not really his game at all. So it's kind of a square peg round round hole situation. And I don't I don't even think like Tobias was bad tonight. Like he he shot pretty efficiently. Like he he at least got four threes up, and uh, he 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 had a one catch and shoot that I thought was really good in the corner. I, I just don't think, I mean, it's a, it's, it's obviously a misallocation of resources because you have, you're, you're paying 30 plus million to a guy you want to be a fourth option and just do catch and shoots. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say he was the reason they lost tonight. He was, I, oh, I, no, no, I, no, I didn't no. think he, I didn't think he had a, he was, he, he was like fine. He just, he, he wasn't a standout performer, but I don't think he did anything to really hurt the team tonight. Out of sight, post-game edition, Sixers drop a heartbreaker to the Nuggets, 114-110. We'll be right back after this word from sponsors. And, yeah, Sean and I, we're going to talk about the main event, MB versus Jokic. So back in a second on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Once again, it's the Out of Sight Podcast post-game edition, Sixers Fall to the Nuggets 114-110. It was a meeting of the MVP frontrunners. It was Joel Embiid, it was Nikola Jokic. Embiid, 34 and nine rebounds. Jokic coming in with 22 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists. Both MVP candidates played astoundingly well against each other. Uh, There were stretches in the game where Joel had, uh, he had three personal fouls by halftime. So DeAndre Jordan had his turn getting cooked by Jokic a little bit to close the first half. But overall, as you look at this between Joel and Jokic, and yes, Giannis is hanging out there, Steph Curry is hanging out there, but between these two, like where do you see this MVP race right now? I, I think Embiid has the edge just in terms of narrative at this moment, and it's not that anything Jokic has done to to lose the title, but I, I think when you're talking about a reigning MVP and and voters potentially voting a guy to win the award back-to-back, they generally would have to really separate themselves. Otherwise, voters tend to to look for a new a new thing, a, a new option out there. Yeah. And Joel 
having the tremendous stretch from mid-December through January where he really put the team on his back and um, the Sixers went on that nice winning streak where they, they were from went from around 500 to up back to the top three of the conference and Joel was just routinely scoring like almost 40 a night at one point. Um, I, I think that really stuck in voters' minds, whereas Jokic was continuing to be hyper-efficient and, you know, triple doubles every now and then and doing, doing everything he was doing last year. And by all accounts, even playing a bit better than his MVP season, but it's, it's for voters. It's kind of like a been there, done that thing. And with Denver struggling as a team be, to a certain extent, because they didn't have Jamal Murray and then Michael Porter Jr. Got hurt. And like Jokic was kind of a one man band for a little bit. They're uh, relying on guys like Bones Highland to bail them out of games. Yeah, now now they are. <laughs> and like thank thank goodness they have Bones Highland because <laughs> they wouldn't have won this game tonight. But yeah, I don't know how m- much Jokic would have to he would have to be considerably better than Embiid in terms of production and and team success in my mind for for voters to vote him over Embiid just because just because that narrative and and the human emotion factor of of wanting wanting to go with a, a different story and a different go in a different direction. Let, let's talk about some of these narratives and let's discuss and discard one at a time. The the Jokic doesn't have a supporting cast argument slash narrative. Um, I I don't know how much I buy into that really. Uh, I, I understand that Jamal Murray has been hurt and Porter Jr. has been hurt. So Jokic is carrying way more of the load than he's probably used to. Uh, how how big of a factor is that going to be when it's time to cast these votes? Because that's going to be the that's going to be the most popular one. Yeah, I, I I think there is something to it. I mean, he obviously is he has a incredibly high usage rate, and he's he's like a point center in a way that very few players in NBA history have been. And he's one obviously one of the best passing big men ever. So he I, I, there's there's truth to what people are saying. Um, so I I think if Denver would really have to to go on a, a wing streak and and get up to the towards the top of the conference for it to really hold water though, because it's one thing to say that, yeah, he's carrying the team on his back and doing it, every doing everything and the team's having a, a tremendous amount of success. Like if they finish fourth, third or fourth in the conference and it's Jokic and a bunch of role players because their second and third options have been out for the entire season. Then I think that that narrative has some, has some weight, but if it's, Hey, he was, carrying such a huge load and doing everything and the team finished seventh in the West, like that, that doesn't just scream MVP in the same way. Um, Whereas Embiid had to do something similar for the first half of the season. Now James Harden is here. It's going to be interesting how Harden's play impacts people's perception of Embiid in terms of what he's doing for the team. Will Harden, be a world beater. Like he's looked in a couple of these games where it, it, it was, it looked like more Harden's offense than it did Embiid's and th- where that could be detracting from Embiid's MVP case, or is it going to be like Harden, you know, looks like he's getting his legs on back a little bit. He, he's not, he, he's still very good, but he's not 
the MVP caliber player that, that we've seen in, in past years. Uh, he, he looks more like the, the clear 1B to Joel's 1A. If that's the case, then I don't think people will really consider that a knock on Joel at all. They'll, they'll say, yeah, he has an all-star caliber guy alongside him, but you know, every, every great team has to have at least one, if not two players alongside their, their top star, because that's what it takes to be a true contender and an MB still putting up 35 a night or whatever, then th- that's not going to hurt him in the least. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of factors. There's about a month or so left in the regular season. I think where these teams finish in the standings, you know, it, it, shouldn't necessarily hold as much weight as it does, but the reality is that that is a huge factor. And uh, yeah, we'll just see how these guys finish out. If they continue to maintain the insane level of production they've been on, if they both stay healthy, you know, Joel had that really scary looking fall with a couple minutes left in the game tonight where yeah. he, uh, Jeff, Jeff Green went for the block and Joel was a little off balance, came down really hard. It was clutching at his back while he was writhing on the ground, just, you know that that we're, we're always one play away from that, and if if Joel, even if it wasn't like a season-ending thing, if it was just a thing where he's suddenly out two to three weeks, I think that could swing the MVP race as well. So, a lot a lot of different factors come into play. I mean, the at the end of the day, both of these guys are deserving. They're both playing basketball in exciting and unique ways that we really haven't seen in history throughout history um, for guys, their size to be doing what they're doing on the court. So it's, it's just really fun. And uh, I, I mean, like I said, I maintain that Embiid has the advantage just because voters, uh, you know, want, want the new thing. So we'll, we'll see if uh, they continue on their current courses. I, I think that will still be the case at the end of the year. I mean, Embiid has been relatively healthy all season long and we hopefully this back twinge isn't as bad as it looked because it looked pretty bad but i like this is the narrative that i always believe that it's going to come down to joel is playing like this he's healthy and the sixers are one two or three in the eastern conference Jokic is playing as good as he is but the nuggets are five six or seven and that's not a knock on denver at all it's just the simple fact that the west is pretty damn stacked so I think more of the weight is going to be placed on where these two guys finish in their respective conferences. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, that's just typically the case throughout history. When you look at the MVP uh, winners, they're usually teams. They're coming from teams that are at the top or very close to the top of their conferences. Um, You know, the, the Westbrook MVP year was, weird an exception because everyone just kind of looked at a oh he averaged a triple double and the statistical novelty of that uh kind of overruled other trends from the past but by and large you know you're either one two or maybe three in your conference as a team and that's where people look for their mvps to come from that's you know that's just how the award gets gets voted it's what's what's baked baked into the how those things are decided and you can argue whether that should be the case or not, but that, that it is what it is. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. Harden was the MVP that year. I will die on that Hill. Um, Tough, tough loss tonight, but Sixers are back at it later on this week and uh, they're just, they're going to be home. 
it's a home stand for the next couple of days. So that's good. Everybody can get some rest, sleep in their own beds, all that good stuff. Sean, uh, I always hope to talk to you during better <laughs> circumstances, but hell, we can't win them all, right? No, it's, you know, it's a long season. And I, I know I kind of glibly said we can make the excuse, but it was the second night of a back-to-back where Denver hadn't played last night. The Sixers had an overtime game in Orlando less than 24 hours ago. So it's uh, somewhat understandable that they trailed off a bit in the second half. Um, but yeah, there's the fact that they had such the great start tonight and, you know, got out to that huge double digit lead. Um, disappointing. And I am, I'm sure Joel's disappointed that, he, he didn't have the opportunity to really put a stamp in the MVP head-to-head matchup that he would have liked that a, that a team win would have engendered for him. Um, first time those two guys had squared off on the court since 2019. So yeah, um, hard to, hard to swallow this loss a little bit, but they're in Cleveland Wednesday. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, three, three straight home games after that. So yeah, you just got to move on to the next one. It's not the end of the world. It's a long regular season. And uh, maybe third in the conference is better, as everyone <laughs> has kind of alluded to. Maybe you just want to avoid Brooklyn in that first round anyway. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. It's it's a tough loss, but you move, you move on to the next one. It's a long season. It's a fun season. But we here at Liberty Ballers will be covering everything 24-7. Go to LibertyBallers.com. All of the fantastic writings and columns by our staff. Listen to this podcast as well as other fine ones on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, where you can find a whole host of Vox Media podcasts. Sean, thanks for coming on and wrapping pregame, uh, postgame with me. I'll talk to you soon, bud. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to join you here. And uh, yeah, hopefully next time we speak, it can be after a more palatable Sixers performance, but always good talking to you. (laughs) Let's hope, Sean. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care.